Hi and welcome to a new episode of Dynamics Update. Uh, this time I as usually have my uh, dear friend and colleague Gustav Sundblad. Hello Johan. Hello and we are going to talk about 10.0.32. I hope that you haven't missed us too much. Uh, it's been Christmas and it's been uh, no new releases and it's been... A bit boring with no podcast, so uh, hopefully we can uh, finally, ma- finally we can here. we can make amends. Hopefully we can make amends and and actually actually release a lot of episodes now. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of fun stuff coming up. We are, I mean, not the least the release wave that's coming. The first one, um, and I think we have a lot of. Um, I mean, the one transaction, one uh, one everything moving forward. Something to. <laughs> To look forward to, I think we'll have to do a special podcast about that one, um, where everything is going. So it's super interesting 2023 to look forward to. Yep, absolutely. But today it's going to be a quite regular episode with <laughs> a couple of uh, new features being yeah. released in 10.0.32. Exactly. So I thought that you could start. Thank you. Of course, I have uh, there's a lot, lot of good and nice features this time. Uh, I one caught my um, caught my eye first, just because I usually start with um, supply chain when I start going through the release notes, so they are usually first. Um, no otherwise priority. Um, but the cross company product sharing feature uh, or functionality. Uh, last time we discussed the master data sharing or cross-company sharing of um, vendors and customers. It's the same uh, kind of technology, um, but it's on product information. So same as virtual tables before, basically you have to make the decision to either um, share it as like a replicated set of records. So if you change in company A, it gets automatically synced to companies B, C, and D, etc. Or the more like AX2012 or previous versions of AX, shared record uh, so it's shared with a different um, data area identifier so it's recommended for this feature very clearly for the products um, the release products to use the the single record sharing um, because one of the big big benefits of using this is if you have a large um, inman table or a large um, large set of products you could save a lot of performance and storage if you have similar if you release, release your products to many companies um, sharing the same set of like item definitions, this can really reduce your volume of data. Uh, so it's a very nice feature and it looks very good. And you can also then, of course, you can decide on like shared data. Um, you could use the the other um, pattern for that. So you can use uh, like minor, smaller tables. You can still use the replicating function. So you have to decide that on a table, table by table basis. Uh, so I'm like super in- invested in this. I want to try it out and, and test it. But then when I get to the bottom of the current uh, documentation, at least, there are a lot of limitations here to be mindful about. Uh, specifically, a lot of details like the fault unit of measures and, and units to to consider. But the main one, I would say, is dual write, uh, where it says dual write isn't currently supported when you use cross-company data sharing for products. Um, it says currently isn't currently supported so hoping that something in will be enabled in the future it's understandable because it has a lot of impact on the whole replication scenarios there uh, but then in the next segment it says dynamics 365 commerce isn't supported when you use cross-company data sharing for products uh, and there it's not like isn't currently supported it's just it isn't supported 
which kind of takes away uh, at least the, the scenarios I'm thinking about. Um, so hoping that this will be um, corrected in coming versions. I'll have to dig do some digging on that one because it really it's a nice way of reducing data in the system, simplifying a lot of the release scenarios that you might have. Uh, but if it doesn't work with commerce or dual write, that kind of limits it a bit, I would say, at least now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, so uh, my first one is actually a comment about the release notes and something that you mentioned to me, which was really cool. Um, we talked a couple of episodes ago about uh, the on by default features and that some features will be on by default, some features will be mandatory and so on. Mm -hmm. And that is now being tracked within the release notes. So when you read the release notes for each episode, you will get them in the show notes, of course, as usual. You can see which um, features are actually uh, sta staged to be on by default and which ones are going over to mandatory in the next release. Yeah, that's really great. And I think that's been, that, that, I mean, the scenario has been there for quite a while. I, mean, I think we reminded about it as well, but now it's really nicely listed. Um, so you get, when you do your planning, you can really like check, okay, what's going on, uh, what's being enabled by default. So you can go in and disable it if it has, if you haven't had time to test it, etc. So um, it's a very good piece of information on the release notes, I would say. Yep, that's that's really cool. Nice. Um, yeah, so I'll continue then from my next list of still on supply chain. A uh, lot of nice features coming that way in, in version 32. Uh, one is the um, warehouse specific inventory transactions. So this is also a bit technical. Uh, it's referred to as warehouse transactions. And basically, it all boils down to invent trans table, the inventory transactions, the core like inventory table of, of the dynamic solution. It's been there for yeah, as long as I've been working with product at least. Uh, and it's always been, um, if you work with inventory transactions, it becomes a very large table. And with advanced warehousing coming in AX2012 and onward, it's um, it, grew, it grew even more because of all the warehouse transactions also being inventory transactions. Uh, so now with this, new feature uh, it's a way to like in in-house warehouse transactions like moving from an in-store in or in-house uh, location to another uh, simple pick and put or uh, those types of transactions that do not necessarily carry uh, like a cost or a sale or anything going outside of the company those can be tracked in an easier fashion or a, both easier from like a a tracking perspective but also from mainly from a system perspective so it's better from performance standpoint you don't necessarily have to track them as inventory transactions so it's a significant significant uh, improvement on performance and scalability uh, not the least so i would think this is goes into the whole um, supply chain scalability uh, we're using the scale unit as well of course uh, so you need to read up on this of course if you're if you're invested heavily in supply chain and doing a lot of warehouse transactions um, you need to understand the difference uh, specifically if you do bi reporting on inventory transactions you need to in well uh, investigate how this is um, how this will impact your implementation um, they are archived you can keep the size of the transactional table small but you need to ensure that you can um, do the analysis on the, on the data that you need. 
And also, of course, update any extensions, customizations that you do that rely on inventory transactions where you actually need to know something that moved from picking location A to picking location B, perhaps. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to leave um, leave the company. So um, it's coming now in version 10.0.32. So if you think it sounds interesting, this is one of the areas where I think it's quite clear that this will become a mandatory function or a mandatory um, feature of the system in coming releases because of the performance improvements and the way it, it allows for reduced data storage. So um, even if it, you don't have time to look at it now, you should invest time to, to see how it impacts your um, implementation. It doesn't say any dates of when it will become mandatory because it's just a preview now, uh, but it makes sense that it will um, it will go into mandatory um, as long as it works good. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, talking about uh, features, uh, one of the things that we all I also want to bring up today is something called the Release Planner. The Dynamics 365 for Microsoft Power Platform and Dynamics Release Planner. Uh, and this is uh, a really cool thing, which might actually make us obsolete. Uh, if it wasn't for the <laughs> fact that we are nicer than this one. This is just a web page. We are nicer than them. Than them. So it basically does what we do. It it uh, takes all of the new features, uh, the ones in preview, the ones that has been released, the ones that are available in early access, and so on, and collects them in, in a page at Microsoft. And you can filter on uh, the release. You can filter on um, different applications. You can figure out exactly when your release uh, that you're looking for. Uh, for instance, in my case, I have two favorites that I see in, in the release uh, list now. There is one called Customer Managed Encryption Keys using your Azure Key Vault, which is mm. cool, which is coming. This is a teaser for the <laughs> upcoming episodes. And also, uh, <clears throat> uh, like... Uh, improvements to uh, uh, virtual entities, for instance. That's also yeah. one of those things that I really and like. searchable that, that, as well, right? Yeah, yeah so that's, you can actually that search. Are, yeah. Yes, and that are coming up. And you can actually add things to your release plan. So you can, you, if, you, if there are features that you are curious about and you want to figure out what's happening with them, you can actually add them to your release plan and then you have a filter view of all of the upcoming features where you can track the ones that you're interested in which is uh, really cool, actually. Yeah, it's super cool. And like you say, it's. Um, I, I hope it doesn't make us obsolete, but you know with um, chat, keep, chat GPT and the advanced AIs that's out there right now, like um, text-to-speech, you could probably like feed a couple of our podcast recordings uh, so it learns our voices, and then you can just ask it to do a summary of the release plans and hopefully uh, we can compare sometime that might be a future podcast fully automated dynamics update we'll see yep. Yep. we'll see when that comes hopefully not too soon the, the problem is that chat gpt is is sort of known for mansplaining so so it might be <laughs> that it's actually just guessing yeah and that's not good we can do a comparison sometime somewhere down the line perhaps yep. we'll, we'll see yep yep yeah. Um, all right. So I have another one. Now I've jumped over to my favorite topic, uh, commerce, uh, which I, I scanned through finance and the, there are always minor changes coming in finance, but I didn't find anyone that kind of stood out. So so for this release, uh, I'm focusing on commerce and supply chain. Sorry, all finance people out there, but 
there was nothing huge coming, at least not from the way I see it. Um, so Commerce had one feature, or a couple of them, but one that um, I'm very interested in is a very technical one. Uh, it's a self-service installer where the store commerce token is captured. The device token is basically uh, stored, so which allows you to uninstall the installation of Modern Pulse, and then you can uninstall it, and then you can install and use store commerce without having to do uh, device activation again. And this is something that the whole capturing of the device token allows for easier uh, rollouts or upgrades of, of the version moving on. And this has always been kind of a blocker, depending on how, well, depending on the organization and how how your stores are set up. But normally, not everyone uh, in the in the store is allowed to actually activate the device. Makes sense. So if you want to roll out, you need to plan it with uh, correct people being there. Um, Maybe in some cases they have to drive to the store. So it's a, it's a very good technical enhancement, which makes life easier for the ones working in, in um, retail upgrades. And just another one while I'm on the topic of self-service installers is that .NET 6 is now a prerequisite for all sealed installers, uh, which is good because it, it's a lot of um, performance improvements um, by forcing the use of .NET 6. But... It's worth mentioning because it requires um, some changes. Of, of course, you need to ensure it. Yes, and uh, we discussed the feature in the previous episode uh, that had to do with row version change tracking in Dataverse. And now it is actually here. Uh, and not, not only is it here, but you can actually turn it <laughs> off as well. That's good. Uh, so the, the, I think the whole point here is that it was available before as a feature, but now you can actually limit uh, an instance from using this because it, it's, if it's not necessary, you shouldn't have it there anyway. Uh, what's interesting to know about this is that it's actually like the the plumbing for a couple of new interesting things coming up eventually that we yeah. will probably have a reason to to uh, bring up in the podcast especially that has to do with the uh, synapse integration and so on so i mm -hmm. i really i'm really looking forward to this one uh, because yeah, it, me too. It, it will it will absolutely improve uh, the way uh, the product works with the data lake and and synapse and so on going forward so that's really cool yeah, and like I mentioned before, like we need to really have a podcast uh, episode where we dive a little bit more into this topic because 2023, uh, outside of just having a lot of uh, nice features coming, it's more towards the whole Dataverse business apps running um, simultaneously and more and more process flows carry onwards from they might start in CE and end up in FNO or vice versa, etc. So it's very clear that a lot of uh, improvements are coming that way to to allow the platform to grow and to use uh, use Dataverse. Um, so now we don't have to just have one database to, to maintain. We have a number of them. <laughs> so yeah. interesting I, and very cool at the same time. Yeah, I'm, 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 also, I, I'm also seeing a lot of, of um, strategic decisions being made uh, going yeah. forward. So uh, that's something that we will... I guess, have a reason to return to in a later episode. Yeah, absolutely. 
I forgot one that I just want to add. It's a very nice small feature, a small thing, but um, I, I listed it anyway. And it's uh, it's the document routing agent, uh, which is used for like handling on-prem printing. Um, previously, it's been cumbersome to use it uh, because you have to run it. You can't run it as a service, uh, which is really complicated when you have to run it in actual reality. But from version 32, you can actually um, activate a feature to allow the routing agent to run as a service and then use electronic reporting to connect to it in specific printing scenarios. It's a small little feature, but I know that that will make um, life easier for a number of administrators out there. So I felt I needed to mention it in case they missed it. Yes, and, and there are a couple of new things coming to the document routing agent as well, or actually to the document management part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are getting improvements with uh, with PDF documents, for instance. That's yeah. uh, that's one of the important parts because PDF is sort of a de facto uh, electronic reporting uh, format. Actually, if <laughs> yeah, if you're not absolutely. if you're not sending it to a, to a machine, then chances are that you are probably sending it as a PDF. If it's going yes. to a person, then it's going as, as a PDF. But yes. there are also a lot of new, uh, a couple of new formats coming. So one is the EMF format, which is coming, coming enhanced meta file. And uh, the second one is the ZPL format, uh, mm, yeah. ZPL, uh, if you're from the UK, uh, which is short for zebra programming language which so i'm guessing that this is a file that is going to like these uh, zebra label printers yeah exactly barcode printers or label printers yeah so uh, those also coming in uh, in um, the uh, 32 version yeah pretty cool i know i've been working at warehouses before so programming in, in zbl or zpl is really um what to go? What's the word? Is hair uh, ripping out your hair in frustration sometimes? <laughs> so, but uh, because you need to get it exactly right, you know this millimeter precision here. But uh, it's a nice feature to have, of course, because it's a yep. industry standard. Uh, so it makes sense to to use it. Uh, so, do you have anything else? All right, I have nothing else on my list. No, not uh, nothing uh, listed on on the topic page uh, for today and i think you know, time wise it's um, it's pretty good yeah i i just have one one uh, uh, note to end with and it has to do with one of my favorite subjects what we have been discussing a lot uh, over the episodes and that has to do with a new client the you know the the fancy new uh, saved views and the yeah. new grid and everything like that so this been been in the release notes for a really long time. And what they sent out now with 32 is actually a summary of the state of all of these features. So these features are going into mandatory uh, and on by default now. So we are actually coming close to you. You can't really... You can't really duck them anymore. Uh, you oh. you need to you need you need to start figuring out how to handle them if you haven't turned them on. So uh, it's a very good point, and I know I've been in a couple of scenarios where where I mean users are users, so you can't expect them to to see the system all the same way all the time, uh, and the views. From experience, they they caused some questions. At least uh, they're very good if you use them, of course, but. They, in some cases, they don't give the same 
user experience that they were used to before you activated the views. So that's that's what you need to address, right? This is what you're getting because it's a very, very nice feature that allows for a lot of time saving. Um, but I noticed that some people were, some users are very used to doing it the same way. Um, so <laughs> with that in mind, ensure um, that you, you know when it's becoming mandatory. Yeah, and I also think that there is one thing that you need to think about, especially around the saved views and the saved queries. And that has to do with the application lifecycle of those. Because I've ended up in a lot of situations where we do a release, for instance, and all of a sudden, all of the fields are not exactly the, the way they were before, which means that the the views break. And the problem is that mm. if the it used to be that if the views bro broke and they were the default view, then you sort of had an issue. Because then if you didn't understand that you needed to switch the view to something else, mm. then uh, it, it, you had a problem. And it was... <laughs> quite tricky for for end users to understand exactly what happened so um, yeah. you should probably figure out um, how to handle them going forward but you should also probably try to figure out uh, a good way to, to manage them centrally because I think you can actually uh, win a lot of things by, by pushing uh, views out to the end users because if you push them out to the end users, then it they see it as part of the original application, and you can yeah. actually make the the UI a lot easier for them to handle. And that I think that's a really really big win. Absolutely, completely agree. Yes, and with that, I think we are actually done for today. So uh, yes. first episode of uh, uh, 2023. And uh, we're going on a lot more. So um, have a nice time. Till the next time. Bye-bye. Have a nice time. Thank you. Bye-bye.